0: All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are we doing today? Good. Good? Are we awake and uh, staying warm? It's been a little chilly lately, but hey, we're here, ready to seek the Lord, and uh, so thankful for the worship team leading us so far this morning. Um, You know, let's go ahead and get our Bibles open and get them ready for our seeking of Him through the scriptures. And uh, as you can see on the screen, it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 is where we're going to be today. Matthew 5, verse 33. And as you're making your way there, uh, I do want to just highlight once again something that was said in that video. uh, One of the announcements specifically, which is the Operation Christmas Child. Again, what these are is that we are collecting needed small items, but all that fit in a shoebox. But these are things that children around the world just don't have the basic needs and necessities. So we collect them, pack them, and then we ship them overseas. And I love this part. They do not just receive the, these items, which is so important, but they also are shared the gospel of Jesus Christ simultaneously. So it's a great ministry. And as you'll see in the bulletin, there's a number of ways to get involved. And I want to say, as a parent of some young kids, I want to encourage those who, of you who do have kids at home, this is a great great way to help teach them how to serve. You can come and the details are in the bulletin, but you can go to the gym and help pack a bunch of items into boxes and help do that. And we did that last year with our kids. It was a great opportunity. So consider that. Also, though, one of the things that it seems like every year we fall short on is the $9 a box it takes to send hundreds of these boxes overseas. So would you just take that to the Lord and just ask him if he wants you to financially give? And again, the details for that are found in the bulletin as well. All right. So we've been making a statement about our attitude about the scriptures every week for months now. We're not going to stop today. And so would you say this with me if this is your heart's cry? Let's say this. This is God's word, his heart revealed. I humbly declare his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I will not lean on my own understanding, but incline my heart now to receive his word so that I may excel still more in filling the earth with his glory by walking in his truth and loving all people as he has loved me. May that be our attitude in our prayer once again as we go to the scriptures because I know that you and I, we would agree, we don't wanna just be hearers of the word, but we wanna be doers of the word. We want them, with the Lord to change our lives and to apply this. So uh, what a great statement. Now, I'm gonna ask a question. This is not rhetorical. I'm actually looking for some answers, uh, at least here in North. South, you can say something. It's up to you. I won't hear you, okay? But, but why don't you guys help me out? Um, what are some subjects That seem to matter a lot to God. Just any subjects in life. Just maybe we'll get five of them. Throw one out. Love, Love, right? Love seems to be pretty important to God. What else? Prayer. Prayer. Absolutely. What else? Obedience Obedience seems to happen matter to God. What else? Faith. 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 Yep. And there was one I missed. Life, life seems to matter to the Lord, absolutely, right? So, I mean, we can go a long time here, and there's a lot of things that seem to be important to God. Now, I'll answer this one, it's a rhetorical question, but maybe are there some things that don't seem to matter that much to God? Uh, for instance, I don't think I'm going to find a verse that says, Thou shalt shop at Publix over Winn-Dixie. You know, I don't think there's going to be a verse for that. Uh, I don't think it seems that God cares too much about what shampoo we use or what name we name our pets, you know. And so, but here's what I'm saying with all this: whether we know it or not, you and I are constantly running life through a grid. Um, as Christians, we're running things through a grid of, like, I think this matters to God, therefore I'm going to pay attention to it and figure out what God wants, or there's these things God doesn't seem to care much about. I don't really think much about God as I'm doing these things, right? That's pretty fair to say. We, we run off of kind of a, a grid like that. But here's what I want to say about the subject we're going to look at this morning. Make no mistake about it. The subject is going to be something that is very much important to the heart of God. And yet, for some whatever reasons, it seems like a lot of brothers and sisters of Christ, we tend to sometimes treat it like it's something that doesn't matter that much to the Lord. The subject is that we are called to keep our commitments to other people. We are called to keep our commitments, to fulfill our word, now, I want to make this clarify. We're not talking about times that there's something legit out of our control that comes up and we can't follow through with something, okay? God understands that. What we're talking about is when we easily could and should fulfill something we said we were going to do and we just don't. Maybe we're lazy. Maybe something better seemed to come up in the meantime. Whatever the reasons are, we're talking about that, And I don't think I'd have to say too many things to kind of convince us that this is kind of a problem in our society, people not fulfilling their commitments, right? And in fact, I'm going to share some things later that might even show it's picking up speed in our society of people not fulfilling commitments. But on the other hand, here's what's neat, is that even among Jesus' day and the people in his society, they had this problem. In fact, he addresses keeping commitments head on in our passage. So would you look with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Listen to what Jesus says. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. So, Right away, though, some of us might be saying, oh, wait a second, I thought you said we're gonna talk about keeping our commitments, and now we're talking about oaths and vows. What are we doing here? There's no question, Jesus for sure is talking about vows and oaths. But by the end of this passage, that last verse 37, he broadens the application from vows and oaths all the way to every commitment you and I might ever make in any day of our life. So hang with me on that. But first, let's talk about oaths and vows, since Jesus does, and that's the immediate uh, situation. What are they? How did they work historically, today? There's at least a, a couple traditional ways oaths and vows have worked. The first, the main one, that probably most of us would think of is when you vow by something or someone, and you're calling them as your witness and even judge if you don't follow through. So this is when we say, I, I, I vow on God or call God as my witness that I'm gonna do such to such. You're saying he's my witness and may he also judge me if I don't follow through in what I'm doing. So that's the, probably the most common form. Uh, but another way and meaning of vows that have worked is when you vow by something or someone as if it's collateral to give a guarantee that you're going to fulfill what you're saying you're going to do. So in in fact, this is what they were doing in Jesus' day that he specifically addressed is when they would say, we're going to make a vow on heaven. In other words, as long as heaven exists, you can count on me to keep my word. Uh, Earth, as long as earth exists, you can count on earth or you can count on me to fulfill my word. And what's funny to me is as long as I have hair in my head, that might not be a good one for some people. I'm just saying, right? Because that, that, that's not as, uh, as sure as some of these other things. But that's the way that they were using those statements. And that's, that's another form of vow taking. Now, what's fascinating, though, in verse 34, if you look at that, though, he says, Jesus says, but I say to you, make no oath at all. So... Is Jesus saying, no more oath-taking, vow-taking, it's wrong, stop it all? Now, our brothers and sisters in Christ, the Quakers, historically, that's how they've interpreted this. And honestly, it's gotten them in some, in some trouble in American history. They were in prison because they wouldn't take oaths until the government said, okay, we're going to make a, an exception, you know, things like that. Um, so is it right or wrong? Is it wrong? Well, if, if it's wrong, I'll say this, I, I'm going to take a guess here. But a lot of us in this room, we might be guilty. Because let's say if we're married, for instance, maybe you remember something about the ceremony. Maybe some of us, it was just a big blur. But there was this part probably in our ceremony where we said something like, I so-and-so will take you so-and-so to be my husband or wife uh, from this day forward to having to hold, blah, 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 um, till death do us part. And so what does it say? Something like, according to God's holy law or ordinance, in the presence of God, I make this vow. It's called the wedding vows, right? So if it's wrong to make vows and oaths, a lot of us, we got something wrong going on when we just did our weddings. Or if you're in the military at some point, you have taken an oath probably in that. Um, if we've ever been a witness in a courtroom, you put your hand in a Bible, and you call God as your witness, that you will tell the truth. Those are all vows. So this is something still that exists, and And so are we in trouble? Well, I'll answer that and summarize it this way. No. These are some words that Jesus' words get misunderstood. Again, like the Quakers did. Um, He's not saying that oaths and vows are inerrantly wrong and we should not do them. In fact, in the Bible, if we read the whole thing, you will find multiple places where God teaches about how vows and oaths should go, not that you don't do them at all. So let me give you an example. Numbers chapter 30, verse 2. God says, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to bind himself with the binding obligation... It is wrong. You should not take any vows at all. That's not, that's not what God says, is it? Instead, he says, he shall not violate his word. In other words, he should keep his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. And so we're not going to spend a lot of time today. And some of you are like, thankfully. You know, we're not going to dissect every verse about vows and oaths today. But if you would just allow me, I'm going to summarize, if you were. So there's quite a few verses that talk about these things. Here's, there's at least three things, conditions that God says when you do an oath or vow, these need to be in there. One, it needs to be in the name of God or Yahweh in the Old Testament. You have to call on the name of God, Yahweh. Two, it needs to be for special occasions only. You don't just throw these out for every small little something you do every day. They're special. Third, as we see there, keep your word. Follow through and make sure you do it. So, that's a little bit, if you will, theology of vows and oaths. And, and so this is why then, when you study the scriptures, you're gonna find God's people doing oaths and vows all the time. Abraham did them, Isaac did them, Jacob did them, Jonathan did them, David did them, etc., etc. And if that's not enough to build the case that oaths are not inherently wrong and that we should all stop, um, this should settle the case multiple times God himself is recorded in the Old Testament as making oaths and vows. Let me give you an example. Genesis 22, he's talking to Abraham, and God says, by myself I have sworn. You notice that? He has to swear by himself because he's the highest thing that exists, right? Is him. So, But he's making an oath. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. And so he's, ta- he's making an oath to... To Abraham. And so God made multiple oaths himself. And that's why, then you fast forward to Matthew 5, where we are today, Jesus is talking about oaths. Again, if it's that we should never do them anymore, then you should never see them after him. Well, guess what? Romans 1, Romans 9, Galatians 1, and so forth. In the New Testament, after this passage, we find God's people calling God as witness and making vows in the New Testament church. So all that to say, It's not that Jesus is saying they're wrong. Instead, here's what it probably should have been said is something like this. Make no oaths like these anymore. Make no oaths like these anymore, the ones that he just got done explaining and talking about. In other words, Jesus here is addressing a system of oath making that his society created to allow them to lie, to say they're gonna do something and not follow through and somehow be okay with it. They had created all this system to not have to fulfill their commitments. And what's fascinating And this is where right now, I know up to this point, you're thinking, okay, this is really good history. How does this apply to my life, okay? It's amazing how this problem of people, you and I, and all throughout history, we continue to create systems, don't we? To not follow through. In fact, I would make a hunch that a lot of us learn some of our first systems of backing out of our word and getting away with it on the playgrounds of school as kids. So, for instance, you guys remember this? Maybe if I'm on the playground, I'm a kid, and I say I'm going to do something or not do something, and I take these two magical fingers and do what with them? Cross them, and if I put them behind my back, what does that mean? Magically, I'm not bound by what I just said I was going to do. You see what I'm saying? Like this is crept into it's all throughout our society. Even as kids, we're learning this stuff. I don't have to follow through because of that. You know, it's pretty fun origin stories if you look that up about where that came from. But, but here's another one. I have no idea where this one came from, but it works. I guess something magical. If I say I'm going to do something, but then if I say I'm going to pinky swear, for some reason, there's something magical about the pinky. If I do the pinky swear, then I have to follow through, so help me God, right? But if I don't do the pinky, maybe not, maybe, I don't know. I, and as I thought about this, I thought I have a brother that's five years younger, and when we were kids... And we, I created one myself. It's like those weren't even good enough. I said, if we say, I promise, promise, two promises, then it's, it's done, you know, you're in. But if it's only one, maybe, maybe not. You see what I'm saying? Like, and why do we do this? Because we're sinful and, and we have a simple nature that just wants to not follow through in and, and, and form of lies and just, you know, say things and not do it. And, and so it's nothing new. But again, what Jesus was saying is don't do these kinds of vows, these manipulating systems that you have made. That's what he's addressing. Make sure it's in the name of God. Make sure, you know, it's you're doing it for special things and you follow through. Now, here's here's what I'm trying to say, though, is by verse 37, though, he brings this to every decision you and I, any commitment we can make, not just vows and oaths. Because probably a lot of us aren't going to go out this next week and make some vow, right? This isn't a typical thing we do in life. It's special occasions. But again, verse 37, when he says, let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. He now brings the application to every time I say yes in my life or no in my life, period. And if we think about that, that now gets really relevant on a daily basis, doesn't it? It doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is. This now applies. Jesus is saying, you need oath or not, when you commit to something, you need to follow through. So for instance, if I said to everybody, I said, hey, everybody, I need a yes or no answer. Would each of you go with me at lunch today after services? Go down to Taco Bell. And we're going, to sweet, we're going to drink a sweet nectar of life called Baha Blast together. Yes or no? And whatever yes or no you say, that qualifies into what Jesus is saying. You see what I'm saying? So the smallest thing, would you meet me somewhere? Will you marry me? I mean, it doesn't matter how small or big Jesus has now. Does that make sense? So in other words, this sermon now, this passage now cannot be any more relevant than that, right? So with all of that, though, he's saying, here's the thing. You need to heed the gravity of your word. Big or small, doesn't matter. Heed the gravity of your word. And I'm gonna give us four reasons, three out of this text and then another one out of uh, the rest of scripture, if you will, but here's some reasons why we need to heed the gravity. In other words, we need to take seriously when we commit to things, big or small. Here's the first one. Because God is our witness and he sees every commitment, private, public, big, or small. He's a witness and he sees it all. Now what's fascinating, specifically the system of manipulating the things that the the society was doing, that Jesus was addressing, this was a big thing. They were starting to try to get around God as witness of what they were saying. So again, if you notice, what did they say in the passage? We're going to swear by heaven, earth, uh, Jerusalem, and the hair of the head, right? And you notice God says all the vows should be taken in the name of who? God. You see how they took God out of all of them? You see, they thought they could get around God being the witness. Therefore, if they don't follow through, then they're off the hook. For some reason, God won't see or deal with it. You see, I love how Jesus in the passage, this is summarizing it. He's like, oh yeah, heaven, God lives there, right? Earth, that's God's footstool. Uh, Jerusalem, that's God's city. Uh, Hair, God owns your hair, right? I mean, in other words, you can't get around God, because God's omnipresent, isn't he? And so again, this is the foolishness of us, right? That we think we can come up with systems and God's not gonna be a witness to things. If I don't say his name, then he's not involved. Guys, God is everywhere. And he sees every decision, every commitment we make, he is constantly the witness. Now, that's, if that's not enough, then here's something very much attached to that. Not only is it our witness, but he's our judge. And he's gonna hold us accountable For what we say we're going to do or not do. Again, at the end of verse 37 in our passage, let your statement be yes, yes, no, no. And then what? Anything beyond these is not that big of a deal. It's evil. Some translations say evil one, which you could then translate and say demonic. Whoa. When I said I was going to meet someone somewhere and I don't, and I could have, and I was lazy, Jesus is saying that's a form of evil. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is saying anytime we say a yes or yes or no, no, like if we don't do it and we could have, he's saying it's evil. And if that's not enough, James, his own brother, later on when the church is up and going decades later, he actually, probably because Christians still were not getting the message, not fulfilling their word. James then tells the church he's a pastor of, and he brings it up. See if this sounds familiar. But above all, right there, James is saying, this is important, what I'm about to say. What's he say? My brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes. Sound familiar, doesn't it? And your no, no, so that what? You may not fall under judgment. Guys, this needs to really sink in for us. The word evil and judgment from God are brought into every commitment that you and I could make as God's people. Wow. That's heavy if you think about it. And, 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 and you know, it, the, the thing is, is that God's children, when we say judgment, you have to understand, I'll make this clear, this is discipline, not a judgment of like, I'm going to hell for it. Does that make sense? If you're God's children, you're God's children. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah. But there is a godly, uh, righteous uh, father in heaven that he's saying, I'll discipline you. If you go out there and keep saying you're going to do things and you don't, it's evil. And so this is something we should heed the gravity of our word. And I'll tell you what, one thing I want to do every time I ever teach, preach, anything big or small doesn't matter is I'm like, Lord, as I'm preparing it, would you do your own work in me first? I don't want to get up there and say all this stuff and you didn't do a work in me. And as I was doing that this last week, Lord, the Holy Spirit reminded me of a small commitment that I made to my mom. And it was like six months ago. And guess what I did last week? I did it, right? So that's what the Lord's saying, though. Everything big or small doesn't matter. It matters, though, to the Lord. And so this is something we should heed the gravity of our word. He's our witness. He's our judge. But he's also, he's our reference. And his name is at stake when we deal with our commitments His name is at stake. So first of all, do we carry the name of Christ? Well, last week we had great baptisms. Weren't those awesome? Yeah, that was awesome. And what are the names that we baptize people in? The name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. When we become a Christian, what that's saying is we are no longer just ourselves. Our identity is swallowed up in the name of God. We carry his name now in everything we do. And everything we say, the term Christian means little Christ, Christ follower. That's what it means. It's part of our identity. So we are actually carrying him into everything we say and do in our lives. Well, in a way, it's like he's our reference. Now, how do references work? Someone's going to apply for a school or apply for a job, and you need to have a reference. And What does does the employer look for in that reference? They're looking for someone who will vouch for this person. That what? That they are a trustworthy person and they will fulfill the commitments that you as an employee or a school are calling on them to do. I vouch as a reference that they'll do that. That's pretty cool. But what happens if the person, the student, the new employee doesn't follow through? Does that affect the reference in any way, shape, or form? It actually can. Where maybe if, if, if that same employer or school sees that same reference name in the future and the last person they referred dropped out, whatever it was, they might stop listening to the word of the reference. And get this, even though the reference isn't the one who broke the commitment, Jesus never breaks commitments, amen? But when we bring him into every decision, he's our reference whether we like it or not or know it or not. And if we don't follow through, we are marring his reputation. (sighs) Like in other ways, the way way I put it is this, every time I make a decision, commit to something, when a Christian says yes, it's as if Jesus just said yes to something. That's the attitude I want to have. I want that weight on me because it's true. I'm carrying his name. So if, I'm gonna, if I say I'm going to do something, God help me. So God help me, right, that I will follow through. Because if I don't, I am affecting his reputation. And here's my hunch for most, if not all of us here at CFC today. Is it not our heart's prayer? We don't want to ruin Jesus' name, do we? Amen to that. We don't want to ruin his name. We love Jesus Christ. If that's the case... Let's make sure we heed the gravity of our word because it's attached. And so, here's a final reason we should heed the gravity of our word is because others can be either blessed or hurt by our word and what we do. Others can either be blessed or hurt. So let's start with hurt. Can people be hurt when someone doesn't fulfill a commitment? I don't have to spend a lot of time to build this case, I think, but, you know, for it to start small. Anybody here ever been stood up by someone and there wasn't a legit reason why they didn't show up, right? How does it feel? Not fun, disrespected, devalued, right? When you find out later that they, they just found something better to do or they just didn't, you know, change their mind, they didn't tell you, and you're sitting there at Starbucks by yourself sipping the cup and talking to Jesus. At least he's there with you, Right? But, you know, it's not fun. It hurts, right? Um, you know, here's the study I came across. Um, ministry leaders, whether vocational or non, ministry leaders, one of the top reasons, according to a study, top five reasons why ministry leaders quit their ministry roles is because they say, I, I just had so many people in my ministry say they were going to do things and they didn't follow through and it sucked the joy out of serving in that role. And I just had enough, and I just need to quit. It's true, it's true. And it hurts and affects other people. In other words, again, guys, think about this. We're not making commitments in vacuums, are we? A lot of times, somebody else is being affected. A much more serious one, how about this? Whenever a spouse breaks their commitment of marriage, People get really hurt. On the other hand, can people be blessed when others around them keep their commitments? Absolutely. There's a lot of blessings to be found. Um, For instance, again, I've led a number of Bible studies, discipleship groups in my life where there's expectations. You know, this is just one you just show up, it's one that we're all going to come to, we're going to do the homework, those kinds of groups. And again, I have led ones where I'm just like pulling teeth for people to be there and do their work, and it just sucks the joy out of it. On the flip side, right now I'm leading a discipleship multiplication group, DX for short, and the three guys make it a joy for me It's a blessing to be in this group, let alone lead the group, because they're always there. They're always doing their homework, unless there's a really good, legit reason that they can't be there. And I'll tell you what, I'm blessed by their fulfilling their commitments. It's a blessing. I think of uh, my wife. Now, I know no one's perfect, but my wife is really close, I'm talking really close, okay? And, and I was thinking about, I was like, I cannot remember in 20 years of knowing her that she ever said she was gonna do something and she didn't do it for some lazy or whatever reason, unless she had a really legit good reason. I can't think of one time in 20 years. And I'll tell you what, I feel blessed by my wife. I love to live with such a person that I know when she says she's going to do it, it's going to happen. I'm blessed by that. Just yesterday, right in this room, I was at a funeral of a man that walked with Jesus his whole life, one of our members here, and his wife and his family. He just went home to be with the Lord. But get this, age 19, he got married and said yes to his wife. Fast forward to when he passed away last week, 66 years of faithfulness. His wife has been blessed for 66 years. His children have been blessed for all those years. His grandchildren have been blessed. His great-grandchildren have been blessed. So many people have been blessed by his faithfulness and keeping his commitment. So other people are affected. These are the reasons we should heed our gravity of our word. So once we've understood the seriousness of that, There are going to be times that we need to commit. But we've got to make sure we carefully commit in those times. Now, if you notice, though, what Jesus doesn't say is an option. And that I'm not saying is an option. You notice we didn't say, hey, you know, Jesus said, heed the gravity, all this stuff is riding on it. Therefore, here's the answer make no commitments at all. And I know it sounds funny. But actually, is this not statistically a trend in our society today? And it is. So I'll have a little bit of fun right now, if you don't mind. RSVP. Does anybody this day know what that even means? (laughs) Right? I mean, I'm not that old, but even in my lifetime, I remember when I was growing up, people actually did it. And now today, it's like, I don't even know why we're printing those things on any invitation of anything, right? So let me help you understand, in case you don't know what RSVP means. It means, would you please, purdy, 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 please, please let us know if you're going to be there or not, because we've got a bunch of plans going on. And if you just show up and we didn't know you were coming, it's going to be really a heartache for us. So please reply. That's what it means or it's respondé, so if we play French for please reply. Okay, so I have some fun with this, but I'll tell you what, it, and it's something that I say it in love, but for some reason, the younger generation doesn't seem to know or seem to care. But see, that's not the answer. We need to let people know sometimes and commit to things, right? That's not the answer is to not commit at all. Well, here's a way more serious one. Statistically, I already had this plan to say, but then even just Thursday, someone sent me an email with a new, fresh stat uh, study of it, and it's true. The rate of marriage in our society is going down, and when you also look at the stats and the studies, and why they the, one of the top reasons why people say they're not getting married is because they heed the gravity of such a commitment, which is awesome, by the way. At least you're understanding it is important but their plane of attack is, well, I'm just not going to get married at all, and then I'm not guilty of breaking that commitment. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. Commitments are important to the Lord, but again, we need to make them carefully, right? So let me give you quickly five tips when you're considering saying a yes to something or not. Five tips. I hope this is helpful for you. These things have been so helpful to me. First of all, know God's word, the Bible. Know it, read it, memorize it, study it. Why? Because God has, believe it or not, written quite a lot of content on a number of things in life. And there are some things that are so clear in there, you'll have your answer about whether to commit to something without even needing honestly to pray about it because God has already spoken on it. Does that make sense? So here's an example. I'm a single Christian. Uh, I wonder if I should start dating this unbeliever for the intent of getting married. Guess what? You don't even have to pray about it because God has already said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, no, done, easy, move on, right? I mean, so these are kinds of things that if we would just know the scriptures, guys, it'll help us a ton in decision-making and commitment-making and not getting ourselves into things we shouldn't. But here's another blessing from God, prayer. Prayer is a blessing, a gift. This is when God's word isn't so clear, black or white on something. It's, it's in the area of Christian liberty. So take the dating marriage example again. Okay, so I'm a Christian. There's multiple other Christians, you know, sing, singles out there that I'm, I'm wondering, you know, which one, she, which one, Lord? And you can pray about that. Lord. Is this a person that you want me to date with the intention of getting married? Now, I want to be careful when I share my own story on this. I am not saying this is exactly how God works in everybody's life. God works different. But I, can't, I share this to say that God has given us the gift of prayer. And you'd be surprised how many times he will actually speak to you about stuff like that. So, for instance, when I was a, a Christian in high school, I knew... God's word enough to know, non-believers are off the, off the docket. But then I would come across Christians in my school and elsewhere, and every girl that I was interested in, I would bring them to the Lord in prayer. God, do you want me to date this girl? And again, with the intention of potentially getting married down the road. And um, every time he would say a no, it would be maybe an impression of the heart or the mind Sometimes they would do something that was completely unattractive. And I was like, they're off the, lot, the list, that's for sure. You know, whatever it was, God always gave me no's through all of high school. I never dated anybody in all of high school. I began to think, what's wrong with me kind of thing or something. So it was depressing, to be honest. But anyway, so I get to college, and I was a public school. I get to Christian college. I'm like, yes. So I'm, of course, focused on my studies, of course. <laughs> But I'm also praying a lot about, Lord, is this the one? Is this the one? I go through, it's so funny as I think about it now, it felt like years, but it was only like, you know, a semester and a half. (laughs) But, you know, and I'm like praying, all no, no, no. I'm like, what is going on? And then this one day, this girl named Holly came across and I didn't get a no. And I thought something was wrong (laughs) at first. And the rest is history. And so I just want to say this. I'm not saying that's how God works with everybody's life and all that. But what I'm just trying to say is it's amazing how often we don't pray when the Lord's given us this gift of prayer and how often he will actually speak to us about things like that and help us to know what to commit to, what not to commit to. All right, so here's another help, I hope. Seek godly counsel. There's multiple proverbs about this. Seek godly counsel in our lives. None of us know everything. And there's so many godly people, older and wiser than us, around us in this church and in our family groups. And that's a gift. Seek their advice. See what they say. Um, God, a lot of times, can help us to make decisions through them. Here's a couple other ones. Uh, use a calendar, please. <laughs> use a calendar. I just want to say, bless the heart of those that made the smartphone. with the, And there's an app. No matter what phone you have, there's a calendar app. Praise the Lord on that. Start using it, though, okay? Start using it if you're not. Because, again, how many decisions are we thinking of committing to that have a time and a day involved, right? And so instead of just throwing out, oh, yeah, I'll be there, and I didn't check my calendar, and what happens? See, a lot of these things, it's not that we're meaning to back out. But it's on error that we can easily avoid, though, if we would just do things like this. And so start looking at the calendar before we potentially commit to something. Uh, another help, I hope this is helpful to you as couples, but Holly and I learned this back when, and now we've passed it on to others. And honestly, even some people, it might have even saved their marriages. It helped that much. But it's helped us a lot. Um, maybe you're like, well, yeah, we both have calendars on our phones. Are they synchronized? That helps a lot, because if you're running on two separate calendars, that's a train wreck, okay, <laughs> waiting to happen. So if you're like, I don't know how to do that, find a techie person and have them help you, but get the calendar synced. It was funny, after first service, this one young couple, they were like, you know what, we got our calendar, they're not synced, that's what we're doing, you know, I'm like, praise the Lord. All right, so use our calendars. Here's one more final tip. Check your checking. If your commitment that you're considering might have something to do with money, uh, make sure you have the money to commit to it. Very simple stuff, guys. But it's, you know, as I've been out there, myself included, there's been times I committed to something I didn't even check if I had the money, right? So make sure we have the money. Well, once we've, let's say we've committed to something carefully, what, what's the final thing? We need to follow through, right? We need to follow through, keep our word, keep our commitment, let our yes be yes. I think of uh, one of the shows my kids have watched on Horton, Here's a Who, and the elephant says, I said what I meant, and I meant what I said, An elephant's faithful 100%. Here's the thing. If you think about it, Christians, should we not be known as faithful I want that to really sink in. I believe this is one of those many things in life that as Christians, we can really shine like stars in a dark world. That that people in society should say, you know what, I don't know if I really agree with and believe the things Christians believe, but you know one thing I love about them? They keep their commitments. Big or small doesn't matter. They're known for that. I was talking to someone after first service, and he's a, he's a guy who works with contractors, subcontractors. He's like, you have no idea how many subcontractors don't show up when there's going to be, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we were talking about that. Like, yeah, Christians in that scenario, it should be that a contractor should, should sit there and go, I, I'm so excited. A project manager, I'm so excited there's a Christian one. I know they're going to show up when they said they were going to show up. And if they don't, there's a really good reason why they didn't. Right workplace environment. Let's say there's a a work party and there's a committee. There's always a committee for everything, right? So there's a work party committee. The committee should be excited when that Christian employee employee says, "I'll I'll sign up," because they know they're actually going to follow through. Uh, When you think of just college friends and circles, it should be that a a college student is excited when a Christian friend of theirs says they're going to meet them somewhere because they're actually going to do it and they're not going to find something better to do in the meantime and not show up. Much serious, much more serious. A fiance on their wedding day, when they're exchanging the vows, should be able to have utter uh, confidence and joy knowing they're marrying a Christian who is going to be faithful till death do us part. So help us, God. Church leadership should be excited for every person who says, I'm joining this church as a member. Because they know that, hey, because this person and these people are saying they love Jesus, they're going to faithfully, regularly worship, connect in a smaller group, give regularly, and serve regularly. And we can count on them. Do you see how Christians and our reputation, we can be a blessing to society We can be a blessing to one another. So we had something made up that hopefully is a blessing and a help to you and I. We made these up. If you look at the backs of the seats, there's a card. And it says yes or no. And it has a lot of the main points we talked about today. And and some of you that are artistic, you're like, well, that's there's no color, just black and white. But I love our creative team because they're like, we did that on purpose. because let our yes be yes, right? And our no be no. And let's stop try- trying to maybe play some games. And so I put this in my little phone here, right? I, I, I made this, we had these, this way, put it on a dashboard of a vehicle, uh, put it on a mirror in your home, just put it there for the next so many weeks to help remind us of the gravity and the importance of our word. I hope that serves you. Now, as we close, we're going to sing and worship. But let me just close with some thoughts here. First of all, I have broken some pretty big commitments in my life. And maybe some of us here today, that's also your story. And I understand the weight of Jesus' words and James and this sermon can be like, I just got taken out to the woodshed, (laughs) right? And that's okay. But we got to make sure we remember this that there is no commitment that we could break that is beyond the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ if we confess it. I want you to hear that. Satan loves to tell lies, doesn't he? And one of those lies is, God will never forgive you for that commitment you broke. That's a lie. All we have to do is confess it to the Lord and he'll forgive us. And so I wanna leave that as an encouragement to any of us that the question is, have you confessed it? But if you haven't received that forgiveness and move forward. But I also want to say this is that if you think about it, I said it earlier, but Jesus, how faithful is He? 100%. He's been faithful all the way to the last breath on the cross for you and I to be forgiven. Jesus continues to be faithful to his word, when he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Every moment of your life, even if you're going through a really hard time right now and you don't sense God's presence, he has not left you. He is with you and me. He is faithful today. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt, he will continue to be faithful to the day that you and I breathe our last breath. He's gonna take us home to be with him forever Do we not worship and serve a faithful God? And not only though is he our perfect model, this is even better. He has given us his Holy Spirit. And when we have given our life to him, the Holy Spirit comes and he is the faithful one. And and, and I don't know about you, but I sit there and think, oh man, it's so easy to break commitments. But I also remember this verse that says, with God all things are possible. And when the Holy Spirit is in us and we ask him, he will help us to keep our commitments. Why? Because he is faithful. Let's stand and worship the Lord.